The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, we got a fantastic program in store for you today. One of our regular, I guess, Multimedia Cafe-ites, the Crude Lifeians. We'll call it the Crude Life Community. Part of our Crude Life Community here at the Multimedia Cafe, Terry Edom. He's an energy writer for the BOE Report, and he's the author of the book, The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, Clearing the Air Before Cleaning the Air. And he talks about some renewable energy today. Of course, Edom lives in Canada, very familiar with the pros and cons of wind and solar. And he suggests that we should begin looking at natural gas as a free energy. That's how abundant it is. I love that conversation needs to be looked at as a free energy. So we kind of dive back a little bit on that. I mean, that's how we look at solar and wind, as it's a free energy. So the amount of natural gas that we have right now in this planet stored up, I get where he's coming from. Now, it's it's not free. I get that. But he's saying shift your mind a little bit, especially when we talk about subsidies and a few other things. Now we talk about climate change and a few other oil and gas public relation issues as well with Terry Edom, energy writer for the BOE Report and the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, one of our favorite guests here at the Multimedia Cafe. So without further ado, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the man that we like to call Terry Edom, energy writer and author extraordinaire. Hello, this is Terry Edom calling from Calgary and the author of The End of Fossil Fuels Insanity. Also a writer for the BOE Report, is that correct? That's right, yes. I'm a writer for the BOE Report and Public Energy Number 1. Oh, is that your blog? So you got got a blog, Public Enemy Number 1. You've got a um, traditional media distribution outlet with uh, the BOE Report, and then you're an author with the End of Fossil Fuels Insanity. Look at you, man. That's like uh, climbing the bucket (laughs) list of life. On top of that, too. What's I mean? What's next? A TV show, radio show, podcast? Hey, we should we should get a podcast set up for you. We should, we should. I mean, you, you, for TV, but I'm, I have a face built for podcasts. I, I'm the same way. I got a face built for newspaper. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> right on. Well, I tell you, thanks for joining the program here today. I just got off the the line with Dr. Lauren C. Scott. He's a professor of economics, and he does uh, energy forecasting and economic forecasting for the last 40 years for the state of Louisiana, and he does a lot for the nation as well. Um, He's been a consultant with many energy companies over a number of years. And we were talking about natural gas. And in America, we have things called subsidies. And you're probably familiar with those. I know you're from Canada, but either way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, we live on them. 
you know, in, in anybody who uh, we live on them, anybody, we're spoon fed subsidies up here. Um, <laughs> we're Canada. <laughs> you know, and, and anybody in the oil and gas industry cringes when they hear the word subsidies. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it a little bit and he's, he's against them, this and that. But what, one of the things we talked about was how there's this gaslighting that's been done through renew- renewables. And gaslighting wasn't his term. That was the term I just used right now because they don't ever talk about the amount of forests that get ripped out of the earth because of solar panels and because of wind turbines and the bird kill counts and that sort of thing. Are are you familiar with this side of it? Oh, absolutely. I work for a junior oil and gas company. We were looking at, we came up with a great idea because natural gas is worthless up here in Western Canada because we can't get it out of the of the region because we can't build pipelines thanks everybody um anyway so it's it's worth zero here some days you have the same problem in the permian sometimes anyways we're looking at um converting natural gas to power just with some portable generators and um we discovered we could come up with a zero uh emissions proposal here burn natural gas in a in a generator pump the exhaust down into the ground again and and use it as a um enhanced oil recovery and we're still investigating a lot of work to do that we discovered that the the environmental footprint of doing that would be would be miles better than a solar installation to do the same uh generate the same power with solar panels would take 60 acres of solar panels versus uh 100 yard by 100 yard lease site so the environmental uh benefits of doing with natural gas and then you're getting and it's zero emissions if the co2 goes back into the ground is miles better than solar um, but we, we could get a grant to do solar or a subsidy, but, but nobody wants to hear about the natural gas power side of it. So there, there's, the story has just been so distorted to one side that, that common sense has left the building. Well, and where I'm coming from is, listen, I'm not a big uh, subsidy person either. I, I, like, I like the market to, to sort things out. And one of the things I've talked yeah. about with the environmentalists is that why did you guys give up on straws and plastic bags, and now you just want to ban the industry? So to me, yeah. I, I was okay with bags, bags and straws because the market will work itself out. And the the, mm-hmm. the, the you know what I mean the the, the refineries yeah. they're they're going to figure out a new use for that plastic, and it'll probably end up with well, some super cool new hard plastic that you can put in your backyard as a swimming pool for under two grand, and our quality of life just got better. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Well, and I had an idea that, and I put this in my book, but if you, and I'm sure it's the same down there, but here we have a, a deposit that you pay on soda cans or bottles or whatever. You, you don't see one laying around the street because people go around and they gather them all up. Well, if you had the same thing for plastic bags, you, you they would get returned and reused and recycled. Um, so why not just do something like that? Like it's, you won't, you, won't, you won't see them laying around anywhere. They won't go to landfills if people, if there's an incentive to get people to do something about it. That's a good yeah, idea. I, I mean, like yeah. it's, it, off the supply of things is, is just ludicrous. You, you just you have to incentivize people to, to do something to act properly. This natural gas thing is a problem. And we are, we, we, not only is it a problem for the energy companies, but I feel bad for all those mineral owners that are not getting paid on that flared oh, yeah. natural gas. And the energy companies don't want me having that conversation. Trust me. And... No, 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 they don't. But at the same time, if we could figure out a way to shift those subsidies on solar and wind, which have very much underperformed what they said they were going to do, 
20 years ago, there was a plan, and, 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 and they've fallen well short to the point to where we have to have a new, new, new plan now about renewables. I mean, how many news can we put on the renewables before we've now gone a full 360 and we're doing old again because the farmers yeah. that figured out how to use the wind, the, the wind turbines to get water out of, out of the ground are ahead of us. They're still ahead of us when it comes yeah. to emissions. And honestly, in terms of investment and output, farmers that used a wind, a wind tower, uh, a windmill to get water out of the ground is still above where we're at today. True story. So, so much better. Yeah. Um, Mr. Terry Edom, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll continue the conversation with Terry Edom, energy writer and author. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feed straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th, hosted by Energy Solutions Corp and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're gonna party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Terry Edom, energy writer for the BOE Report and author of the book, The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, Clearing the Air Before Cleaning the Air. This is Terry Edom. In the world of natural gas, we've got so much being flared, and there's, there is a market out there for plastics. 
And if we could just figure out a way to get some of these crazy capitalists that are spending all their time on well sites away from their families, trying to figure out how to, you know, crack the code and become the next billionaire and they're, and, and the energy uh-huh. the energy companies are taxed to death, and then they've given the church uh, enough bake sale money and the little league kids uh, enough um, uh, uniform money. They don't have enough for research and development. They just don't. And how much? No. You, do you know what I mean? It's like it, I feel stupid oh, saying, yeah, yeah. "Should we subsidize oil and gas?" But at the same time, I'm looking at it like, you know, we could actually solve this flaring problem in five years if we just redirected these subsidies. Go ahead. But yeah, re, yeah, redirect the subsidies, and also just think outside the uh, um, box a little bit. The, the world would kill for free energy. That, like our society and our civilization, this unbelievably good lifestyle we have here is because of cheap energy. And if, if you go anywhere in the world except for North America, and they would say you you were flaring, you're wasting natural gas, and their mind would be blown in China, in Russia, anywhere. Um, because it's a valuable commodity, and we just and we have to think about it like that. There's an example I use here. So I grew up on a on a farm in the prairies here, and every little town used to have an alfalfa processing plant where the farmers could take their alfalfa there, and it would be you take it green, it looked like a salad, and they would run it through a big dryer, make feed pellets out of it, and we would put them on rail cars and ship them to Japan, and the farmers would make uh, great money doing that. Uh, we'd get paid three times as much as we would by making out of that alfalfa and um the then the whole industry died off when the price of natural gas spiked every one of those little plants closed and the, the whole industry worked because we had cheap natural gas and now we have cheap natural gas again we're wasting it and it's like we need somebody where's the economic development authorities that are looking around the world and saying what can we bring back that requires a lot of energy what about a uh, aluminum smelting or recycling place. It takes a lot of heat to melt aluminum or something else, anything that requires a lot of heat to, to reprocess it. Why don't we have those set up? Why aren't there portable recyclers uh, scooting around to wherever there's free natural gas or greenhouses or another thing? Why aren't we growing vegetables with the free heat and the CO2 that's generated? So I think there's, um, there's all sorts of, we have to look at it as though this is a free energy source and it's a it's a non-renewable it's going to go it's going to be gone so what, what can we how do we convert how do you take free energy and you make economic value out of it there's a lot of different ways to do it but people just there has to be an incentive like you say and i'm not even sure it's a subsidy but you could say well if people would call it a subsidy but if you tell someone you bring a metal uh, recycling facility here setup shop it can be a portable one doesn't matter you don't pay any taxes on it for five years like you, you have guys coming from all over the country to do that, right? So I, they're just they're plastic recycling. There's uh, there's so many things you can do with free energy if you just look at it right. That's an interesting perspective. I haven't looked at it like that. Where you have the sun, you have wind, and those are considered free energy. And exactly. And so yeah. you, yeah, you're right. But I mean, harness, right? yeah, I mean, you're gonna have. I mean, I, I get it that. It's it's not technically free because you know you're using it to get you know crude oil to get out, but but at the same time it is because you know I was just reading an article that was just taking the Bakken to task on oh the regulators about how they've just fallen short on their 15% flared cap limit and the lowered by 10% and they're I mean they're just not even close and now the Sierra Club's all upset and. 
I'm just looking at this going, uh-huh. oh, and even even um, the Republicans are even saying they failed. You know, I mean, I'm looking uh-huh. at Vicki Steiner here. Um, we need to find an excess flared solution immediately, you know, and Vicki Steiner used to be in charge of the uh, Western Dakota Energy Association. So she's a big oh. supporter of oil and gas because she grew up in the yeah. bu- bust and boom towns. Yeah, yeah. So she understands it yeah. from an economic standpoint and also you know, what, what they, how they are actually stewards to the land. But this is interesting about the yep. free energy perspe- uh, uh, slice of it because it's, we're having the same conversation. We're just taking different routes to get there. And at, that's the, right. at, at right. the end of the day, I, I oh, I was going to say at, at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for is we're looking for that little infusion of dollars to that crazy guy up in Canada using natural gas to mine bitcoins, and the guy in um, that's right. the guy in Texas that's figured out a way to turn the natural gas into water so he can have a greenhouse down there in the Permian. And I mean, these yeah, the, the, this is some yeah. real outside the box thinking here, and I love yeah. it. And and it does yeah. it needs an infusion of capital, but at the same time. I don't think the energy companies are any any position right now to take risks after the last downturn and with their uh, shareholders. That, and that's where we're at. Yeah, like as a smaller company, we're, we're, we can't go out on a big uh, R and D spending binge. Uh, we we just there's just no money laying around for that sort of thing. And I think most most companies are like that now, where everybody's belts are pretty tight. And it's the there's this growth cycle, and this this happens in many industries where where a growth of one part of it gets ahead of the curve. You see it in real estate all the time. They overbuild, then there's a, and then it adjusts downwards till that's the, there's a new uh, happy medium for prices and then it starts building up again. And I'm looking at a bunch of office towers right now that are a third empty in downtown Calgary and it's overbuilt. They'll fill up again, maybe someday. But, but then the oil fields get ahead of themselves too, like the, the Bakken or Permian, which are doing a lot of flaring now, just that the, the rate of growth accelerated past the ability to deal with this solution gas and but it's very it's it's not it's easy to to sit there and poke holes at but it's very hard to plan for these things in advance so you're right we have to do something about it but what what can we do in a constructive manner rather than just shutting the whole thing down well and that's that's where i'm just at stepping up i mean you know we've been a non-political program for the last especially the last three years yeah. we've, we've gone like overcorrected to where it's gotten a little boring for me. Excuse me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, let's just say, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you get you get a geologist on and it's not the most interesting conversation for everybody in the world, you know? I mean, I'm just saying, but it, it is to me. You gotta call it Well, you're exactly right. I mean, it, and you know what? The oil industry is perfectly okay with that. And they, and, and they have conferences for these guys and they have a blast. I mean, because it's what they like that's to that's do. Right, that's right. So before I get... But before I drill myself two miles deep here and can't get out, um, the the, the world of crazy has really happened. You know, I mean, you've got two presidential candidates that have said, let's ban oil and gas if I'm elected. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren have said that. Um, Not phase it out. Like Bernie Sanders said, done, no more going forward. And... um, Colorado, Proposition 112, as, as 60 to 70 percent of the leases are in question. Uh, Colorado, I'm sorry, uh, Oregon, the Senate just voted to do what Colorado's doing uh, last week. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, it passed the Senate. 
And then Wyoming, the, fe- the federal judge bans some drilling and for the first time on some federal land. So my point is, is that this this cult of environmentalism has really gotten to the point to where it's affected courts, it's getting state law, and now it's a presidential thing. Um, you guys in Canada have, you know, the queen has been the landowner for a long time, and you've mentioned. <laughs> You know, you can't have pipelines unless, you know, the, the, the planets are aligned and Bigfoot helps you big them, oh, d- yeah. build them. So, oh, we need, we uh, need every last person in the country to agree, and then we can build something. So that, that's, one, very often. That, that's one direction America is going. The other direction, yeah. what, what Lauren Scott and I talked about, what, excuse me, Dr. Lauren Scott, I like to call him doctor because he earned it, um, uh-huh. is that we're very much going down the path of, Europe, which is very much renewables, and they pay like seventeen bucks for some natural gas, and we pay like a buck fifty, and China pays yeah, like yeah. six seven bucks. So, I mean, is America does America understand that that there's a very big price when it comes to renewables? I don't know what your cost is in Canada. I know the political side of things, but talk to me a little bit about the economic and then the political side of shifting to a, a renewable culture. Well, I don't know if I can uh, come up with a number in Canada. I just I know that it drives the cost of everything up because you're... Mr. Terry Edom, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll continue the conversation with Terry Edom, energy writer and author. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. So here's to all of the good thinkers, and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know welcome back to the multimedia cafe my name is jason spies thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the multimedia cafe a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about well coming up next we continue the conversation with terry edom energy writer for the boe report and author of the book the end of the fossil fuel insanity clearing the air before cleaning the air this is terry edom come up with a number in Canada. I just, I know that it drives the cost of everything up because you're, you're simply just duplicating an energy infrastructure. Like wind and solar help you when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing, obviously, but the rest of the time they don't. So you still need the same infrastructure and uh, to provide the power when those things aren't happening. And in winter, as you, as you no doubt know, there's, the sun doesn't do a lot. To, it's not a lot of help as far as heating your house. So you need natural gas and, and the, the closest uh, numbers I can come to is something. I just read an article about Germany. Germany's been at this for decades now. Their their power prices have skyrocketed in the past 15 years. Their emissions are still flat. They're still dominant, overwhelmingly reliant on fossil fuels. Even though the whole place is covered in solar panels, they're spending something like 40 billion dollars a year on renewable energy. They're not getting. They're not advancing their targets. They're not going to meet the, the Paris climate goals, just like everybody else. Um, 
and they've just been running flat out uh, uh, trying to convert to a renewable economy. And the, the article I read was, was a good one. It was actually very supportive of them. But they, these reporters were pestering the German ministers and who got a little bit exasperated. They said, look, what more do you want us to do? We've been going flat out on this. We're spending every nickel we can. We're, we're, we, one of their big mistakes was they shut down nuclear because they got scared by the anti-nuclear lobby. And now they're reliant on coal plants to replace that. So, so there's a country that's been in a very, very, very wealthy country. And we shouldn't forget that either, that it takes a lot. You have to be a very wealthy country to have the option to even consider renewables. It, these poor countries, they don't have the option to... India and China aren't worried primarily about going renewable. China is worried because of, they want electric cars because of all the smog in their cities. But they're, they're, they have national security to worry about first and foremost they don't want people starving to death and their standard of living they want it increased so so the the cost of these economies is it's if you if you refuse to do it in a in a staged rational manner if you want to do it wisely and okay so you take you knock down the easy things first let's get off of coal towards natural gas or, and then that's a big leap forward that you, you can cut your emissions by a third just by doing that so why not? Why don't we start there? Why isn't? Why aren't all the environmentalists pouring all of their energy into that? Get on to natural gas, uh, and then then deal with wind and solar in another ten or twenty years when we can start handling it. But right now we just can't because you need duplicate systems. Yeah, and, and it gets back to what happened to straws and plastic bags. I mean, when when there's a little bit of work involved, a little bootstrap, and they just go right to the extreme. Um, what gets me too about <laughs> yeah. about Germany? I read I read similar articles in the last two weeks on, or I think it was might even past week on this the Germany uh, updates because they did they they came out and they got audited so to speak. And I, I I would agree the article was was more positive than negative. However, mm-hmm. the negatives were very quickly brushed over, and the negatives mm-hmm. were were pretty substantial. And um, yeah, but, th- go ahead. Well, no, you're right. That, like the doubling of power costs, you, you hear that in other jurisdictions too. Uh, that happened in Ontario. Here we had a green. They had a green government in that province uh, for the past ten years. They got kicked out last year, and they they went all green. Then and, and people's power bills were going from a hundred dollars a month to seven hundred dollars a month and crazy numbers and that's across like that hits everyone right the poorest people everyone gets hit by these power bills so it, and it's just moving too fast you're, you're they're trying to to push something that you're, you're trying to convert a system that can't be converted that easily just by sheer screaming i think the, scream power is what they're working on the other thing i think that got left out of this the, the article that i read at least uh, had to do with Germany's size of a country. I mean, I'm not talking population-wise, just the sheer geography size. It's, you know, compared to the United States, what is it? Maybe the size of North Dakota? Maybe the size of North and South yeah, Dakota? Big. That's no. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's not big at all. So yeah. when, when, when you're talking about changing, you know, uh, transportation systems over and pipeline oh, systems yeah. over, it, yeah. the, the cost is night and day. And... Yeah. And so is the geography behind it. So I, I was really disappointed that that was left out a lot of the stories, too, uh, in terms of mm-hmm. some some of those real hard infrastructure and cost parts of it, as opposed to, mm-hmm. hey, here's some, you know, ideology that we sp- spouted out the last 20 years. And look at that. They're they're still positive towards that. And 
I get uh-huh. that part, but um, I was I, I left the article in Germany like you. Like there was still a lot more to be desired than what they were certainly trying to share yeah, with yeah. us. Um, yeah. In Canada up there, what do you guys have in terms of? when it comes to subsidies and energy and, and do you guys have a lot of solar up there? I can imagine the wind would probably be there, but solar, do you guys have much solar? Uh, Solar is really booming uh, for the same, because it's the subsidies. Like it's, it's um, like on, like on residential homes and businesses or actually like solar farms. There's solar farms that are popping up and there are some on homes, people, which is, kind of absurd when you think about it at our latitude to have that but i mean it works for part of the year and it uh, it's more of a feel-good exercise than anything i know people that are putting it on their house for twenty twenty five thousand dollars in a 25 year payback period or something that it's uh uh they feel better about it so go ahead but um and it's, it's you shouldn't discourage it, but if you if you were to take that money and put better insulated windows on your house i think you'd be better off it's just one of these misguided things that you could spend twenty five thousand dollars on a lot of things that if you really want to oh, no. the environment you can I, do it. So, I'm, uh, I'm I'm starting to look yeah. at it should be discouraged. I mean when I'm when I'm looking at the amount of um, energy it takes to produce these solar panels and some of the lithium mm-hmm. it takes in order to get the batteries and just all these yeah, different yeah. sides of things, I'm I'm thinking it has a and I don't know this. I'm still investigating, uh, but. You know, wind and solar don't really seem to have very much of a positive. You know, in hockey and in basketball and sports, you got a plus minus. When your guy's on the court, uh-huh. you know, Ky- um, Kawhi Leonard at the end of the game, when he was out there, 12 points ahead of the rest of everybody. You know, the plus minus thing. Uh-huh. I just don't see wind yeah, and yeah. solar having a more of a plus than a minus. Or, no, and, and yeah. on the, the minus side, people, like you said, they, they don't want to talk about that or they don't want to look at it or they're second or third order consequences like one of the biggest uh, so you look at california is such a good example or so far advanced for wind and solar but that's creating such uh, problems with the existing grid and that's one of the reasons which nobody likes to talk about one of the reasons for those horrible fires in california was because there's been not enough maintenance done in the existing grid pg and e which went bankrupt has been underspending on that but they've been overspending on the renewal com- because that's the driving force. Everybody wants that to work, but they haven't been cutting the trees under the power lines because that costs money, and also environmentalists are against that too. So now you have sagging power lines, which need replacing, hitting against trees <clears throat> and starting forest fires, and that and that gets blamed on climate change, which gets blamed on fossil fuels, when the cause is, uh, in essence, too much sol- reliance on solar and wind. Mr. Terry Edom, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll continue the conversation with Terry Edom, energy writer and author. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Tonight, I'm coming back home. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. 
Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feeds straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th. Hosted by Energy Solutions Corp. and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Terry Edom, energy writer for the BOE Report and author of the book, The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, Clearing the Air Before Cleaning the Air. This is Terry Edom. In essence, too much reliance on solar and wind. Um, and you've heard how often power prices go negative in California, right? Mm-hmm. It's fairly frequent. Middle of the day, the sun's shining, and they got a surplus of power, so the existing power suppliers get negative prices. The solar guys don't. They make off like bandits, but they're uh, but they also has to pay that foot that bill. So that has to come out of somebody's hide somewhere. So it's out of maintenance and whatever else. So so the the, the the minuses, there's a lot of hidden minuses that people just don't look at. Never mind, like you say, the, the, the which are excellent points too, the cost of manufacturing these things, all the rare earth materials and minerals that go into those batteries. Where does cobalt come from? It's mined by children in the Democratic Republic of Congo in slave conditions, but nobody wants to talk about that either. So uh, th- there's a lot of negatives that, that people just don't like to talk about. Well, and I even look at the new political war we're in with china now over these rare earth minerals i mean mm-hmm. it's been in the yep. news the last two weeks where that's like the trump card they got they have is they've got access yep. and control over all these rare earth minerals and the average person doesn't understand yep. why that matters and then if they look at their hand and realize their cell phone is in their hand they realize really quickly why china doesn't you know why china's in the driver's seat for that because yeah i mean and, and- and is that, do you really want to, to have them control for that sort of thing? I don't think that's wise either. Never mind the um, environmental nightmare that's created when they process them over there because their standards aren't what our standards are in the U.S. or Canada. Like here, here we see things and it's wide open. Mm-hmm. People can document it. They can take pictures of whatever they want. Not the case over there. They hide whatever they want. So 
Um, we're just we pay the we pay a big price for having an open society here too. We, we allow those the enemies to, of of industry to just come in and and see whatever they want and do whatever they want. So, so what you, you mentioned uh, subsidies in Canada. There's one thing that's uh, I don't know if it's off topic, but it's, it really annoys the hell out of me. If I sorry if I can swear on your show, uh, of course the, you can. A lot of people accuse the <laughs> the fossil fuel industry of being overly subsidized. And I, I just read some articles on that recently about how many sub, how many dollars in subsidies the industry receives. And there's these international groups, the International Monetary Fund or something, put out a paper which gets referenced a lot. Maybe your economics professor would have been familiar with it or ones like it, but they calculate all of the subsidies that the petroleum industry receives. And I, I dug into it a little bit, and it's, it's just a bunch of gibberish. It's just economic theory about they pile on a big number on there of, of a subsidy. They, they say that the uh, social cost of carbon, which is, I don't know what that is. It's some theoretical construct by, um, by academics. But they talk about the, the price that should be added to fossil fuels to compensate the world for pollution is $35 a ton or something. And, and then they, they add that to every barrel of oil produced, and they call that a subsidy. And, but it's not a subsidy because no money went out anywhere. That doesn't help. It, it doesn't help oil production not to charge that. Uh, it, it's a possible tax that they could put on if they want, but it's not a subsidy. So there's this definition of subsidies, which is hugely twisted. I would have been interesting to hear what your what the doctor said about that. I, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really actually glad you brought that up because that was something I wanted to talk to Dr. Lauren Scott about because he's an economics professor, but it, it didn't come yeah. up in, and I didn't interrupt him in the, in, like I did you were there in, in the proper time, because this is something I noticed in, in the Bakken was the narrative behind the industry trying to cut their extraction tax down was like a subsidy. And I'm thinking, well, no, 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 no. They're already paying 11.5% tax here. They're just trying to get their tax reduced, and you guys are trying to act like they're getting a subsidy here? No, no, no. Yeah, and and exactly. that, that, that's exactly what you just said. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not the only one seeing that out there. Okay. A, yeah, there's, um, and that's a bit of a socialist mentality. You don't, don't want to bring thunder pouring down on you but um, by getting into politics, but... Um, there's a viewpoint out there that if you if you're a company and and the, the government has a right to tax every dollar you have, then if they choose not to tax twenty dollars, then that's a subsidy to you, and and that just runs counter to common sense. But that's how it's viewed. That's how a lot of these subsidies are calculated. If a government chooses not to tax you for something, then they call that a subsidy, uh, which is just I, I mean that any any businessman that just blows your mind, but. Some people, to some people, I, that's sound theory, which is why we hope to never, ever, ever get to run a country. But uh, you never know in these days. That's I've never heard a phrase like that, but I could definitely see where someone would think like that. Well, yeah. it is like you like you say. If you if if they if you you want a tax rate reduced from eleven percent to ten percent, and somebody calls that a subsidy, well, no, they're just taking less of your money. Like, how do you? Uh, you have to be a real you have to really twist the meaning of words to come to call out a subsidy by not taking something. If I, if I go steal your car and then I decide to give it back to you, did I subsidize you? Like it's, I, I don't know how that math works. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that as well. But I, I have noticed the twisting of those words and the twisting of that. Yeah. And, and I'm glad and to see... I, the chance to challenge those people and say, what, what exactly is a subsidy? What, what, what was the cash payment that was written? Where was the check that was written to this company? What, what was it for? And how much was it? Not, not how much of their money did you not take? That was Terry Edom, author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, Clearing the Air. Before cleaning the air, he's also a writer for the BOE Report and a blog that he keeps, Public Energy Number One. So if you'd like to check that out, his personal blog, Public Energy Number One, his writing on a daily basis or weekly basis with the BOE Report, and then he has his book, The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, Clearing the Air Before Cleaning the Air. So thank you, Mr. Terry Eden, for joining us here on the Multimedia Cafe. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank you folks for tuning in and joining us here on the radio. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. For those of you tuning in online or maybe you've downloaded us on our podcast platform like iTunes or one of the other ones that we're available on, thank you, thank you, thank you. We know there's a million places to get a million types of content. So from the radio station, we thank you. From our staff, we thank you. We hope that the original interviews, the you know off-the-wall ones from time to time, and live music is something that you appreciate. So thank you very much. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest-running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feed straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. 
Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th. Hosted by Energy Solutions Corp. and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com.